off top. Do you know that during the Tour de France back in the day, they would smoke cigarettes while riding? You can find pictures of it. Even drink alcohol during the breaks. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. What up, Charlie? That's how you ride? Yeah, that's like I <laughs> usually have a bifter on me while I'm on the Peloton. <laughs> I don't even know what a bifter is. I think cigarette slang. Oh, okay, okay. Good. Cigarette slang. Uh, my grandma used to send me to the corner store to buy cigarettes when I was little. I don't think you can do that anymore. Morris Green. They were in a brown. I mean, they were brown cigarettes, but they were called Morris Green. You so definitely are not supposed to do that anymore. I'm sure you can do that in some places. <laughs> yeah, you weren't supposed to do it back then either. I was like, me and my brother, like, I don't know, like nine and 11 mm-hmm. or something like that. Copping six for old granny. The reason why I brought up the Tour de France is not only because it's happening right now, but because there was an accident in the Tour de France and there was an accident in the Tour de Fox. My way into work today, I ride the bike every time. I had a rough morning all around, honestly. So this morning I was taking out the trash in my uh, slippers, toes out in my slippers, stung by a bee. What? Stung my toes. Stung on your toes. Stung my. I don't know what happened. No, I didn't even see it. I'm just walking and I bend down to pick up some stuff, and I guess it flies into my sandal and it's not happy. Swollen toe, stung bee. That's how I kicked my morning. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. No (laughs) wonder you were so cranky today. I came in. I I come into the studio and Dominique was like all pouty. He's got his AirPods in. Everything's a uh huh. Yes. Okay. I was reading. I was trying to figure out what we're going to talk today. I wasn't pouty. pouty. I'm in a great mood. You're pouty because your man Djokovic lost. We'll get to that. Okay. That's your guy. I'm an Alki guy. Big Carlos Alcaraz, guys. I've been been on him since he (laughs) he was young. Anyway, let me tell you about the rest of my trip in today, why it was so harrowing. So I'm driving down the road in a car. There's a bike coming up the road, and it's a curve. And so I'm going down the road. We're on opposite sides. So a car tries to, like a van, tries to sprint around or shoot around the bike. So it comes into my lane, and I just slam on the brakes. It's flying I don't know, going really fast. I just slam on the brakes and they swerve away. I didn't jump off the bike, but I was very close to jumping off the bike. So heart rates picked up. I mean, elite athleticism there. <sighs> I mean, it's just quick reflex. Yeah. Quick reflexes. So I thought about just throwing myself into it, but it was a van. If it was a fancy car, I'd have just, we'd had us a case, Charlie. <laughs> it would have been, uh, that would have been the most profitable this show has ever been. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, I had an aunt who used to have cases all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. She, she would, uh, she get a slip and fall. She's dead now. So I can, right, I can dude. tell everybody about her schemes, but she, she slip and fall every, every, um, store she go into. Get us, get of money oh slam on the brakes yeah she has some moves she has some, she has some scams my mom hopefully doesn't watch this episode she's gonna be mad that i sold out i um, um was I res- her on actually i, I respect I a good schemer yeah, whatever i mean she would always say it's the insurance company's paying anyway that make her feel better about it and good but i'm not done telling you about my ride in. okay so this is the real kicker this was early in my ride heart rate picked up i go down to and part of my trip here is not all city driving part of it is like on a bike trail and i'm on the bike trail you know me i'm kind of competitive guy yeah so i'm doing it every now and then someone will pass me and i get mad and then i go get them and sometimes most of the time i can catch them and i pass them and i don't give them a look or anything but it's just they kind of know what's happening most time i catch them and pass them and then i keep them behind me until i get to where i have to go and it like forces me to work a little harder and it's also 
kind of fun. And like, I'm not a judge. I'm not judging people, but you see body types and you're like, all right, well, this guy definitely can't pass me. You can't I get can't. passed by a square. Yeah. I, I'm not going to let no square bodies cook me on, on my little bike trail. A square body cooked me on the bike trail. Oh no. He just flew by me and he had on like slacks and a shirt. So he's obviously going to work and he just crushed me. So I went and got his ass and I caught up to him and passed him. And we're going back and forth the whole way. This is probably it's six miles, I think, to get to from my house to get to the office. So for about four miles of this, we're just going back and forth, passing each other, core pass. He's like a square body dressed in work clothes. I'm like, the f- what's going on? And so finally we get to the circle that's like where we have to go different directions and we both have to stop at the light. The man had an electric bike. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> he had an electric bike. And so most of the time I could tell electric bikes because they have like a big thing on them. But yeah. this one, it was like blend. They blended it Sleek. into the frame. Well designed. And I had to, we had to be at a full stop and I could see that he had like a dashboard. And then I looked down and it's like electro bike or it has some weird name. It's like, you motherfucker. But you had to feel good about it then. I was pissed. But, but you also beat technology. Yeah. I mean, we were neck and neck the whole time. I was pissed. But that's that's how we lost John Henry, great American hero. Yeah. I mean, people should know, by the way, how brave you are to ride your bike to downtown D.C. at oh, rush yeah. hour. That is a certain type of bravery. <sighs> nah, I don't got nothing to live for at this point. I've my... <laughs> been stung by a bee. Yeah. I got nothing left. <laughs> All my great days are behind me. Except... My um, thirst trapping is a lot better now because this bike riding got my abs um, clicking. David Dennis Jr. sent me a meme of something going around about Prosecco poppies who wear fat chains and unbuttoned short short sleeve button downs. And then it was just a screenshot of your latest Instagram story. I look great though. We have a midlife crisis. Maybe. Maybe. I, I kind of like it. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I mean, we all go through phases. Oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta remind people. I've had I several already, just in case, just in case. Maybe it is a little midlife crisis. I think my, I had one a few years ago, and mm. I end up spending like a thousand dollars on shoes and like an hour on the internet, and that's really not that much midlife crisis. I need to buy a sports car. Good retail there. Yeah, I guess. Nah, nah. Yeah. I just keep riding my bike. All yeah. right, um, Saquon Barkley. Yeah, we're we're gonna talk about sports. I promise. We'll get to Alcaraz eventually. I hope because I love him and I've been on him. I told you he was gonna be good, Charlie. Remember yeah, when, yeah. I, when I introduced you to him? At, um, you were watching that Umag 250 in uh, 2021 when he won his first ATP title against Richard Gasquet. Exactly. He's bombing <laughs> forehands in oh, Croatia. Yeah, yeah, Umag. Yeah, I was wondering where that was. <laughs> All right, um, Saquon is holding out. This frustrates me, as I'm sure anyone who's listened to this already knows. Um, The plight of the running back is one thing. The plight of the NFL free agent is another thing. The big time free agent where the franchise tag comes into play. So a lot like uh, the NBA and the max contracts where you're going to get your salary suppressed if you're one of the top 10 to 15 players in the NBA. If you're that next tier, you're going to get your salary inflated. And I think that happens for a, a lot of players. If you are good enough to require a franchise tag, it's going to hurt your negotiating leverage. If you're just like just good enough to deserve a big contract, but not quite good enough to deserve a franchise tag, that leverage leaves you. And it's getting used a lot on running backs. So there's a double whammy for Saquon because he's obviously great enough to require a franchise tag. And he's also a running back that 
the book is out on how just about all teams treat running backs now is you're not going to pay them if they are good beyond the four years or five years with the player option that if you draft them in the first round first round if they're good beyond that your franchise tag your franchise tag them but you never give them a big contract and even the players the quarter excuse me the running backs who have gotten second contracts they aren't even that impressive like you look at what derrick henry got they only really committed to him for a couple more years. The same thing for uh, Christian McCaffrey. But this is the reason why I brought up the max salary thing is there are a couple running backs that are good enough yeah. and that are worth it and that do deserve the money. Well, I guess all running backs, I would say, deserve to hit free agency and truly get paid or at least get paid commiserate with um, their value to the team because some of them have more value than the rookie contracts are worth. But in this case, it seems like these certain few guys, and there's only a couple of them, and Saquon might be the number one pick out of all of them, that the the normal running back rules should not apply, but they do. And Saquon's holding out. I suspect that he's going to – I hope that he's going to get what he's asking for. But what he's asking for is still not as much as he's worth. So we're taping this, we should fully disclose, on Monday afternoon before that 4 p.m. deadline where – conceivably they could have strike some deal. You could sign the franchise tag. There have been conflicting reports that there's not over optimism on either side. And then there's encouraging news. This is reported as encouraging news that Saquon was going to cave to the best offer, um, which I'm sure makes you furious to hear yeah, that. It does. Um, but I want to use a couple um, numbers from Jeff Darlington in a quote that he tweeted out. The first one, I want to tell you the cost of the franchise tag and how it's moved from 2015 to now. For the quarterback position, it went from $18.5 million to $32.4 million. For the wide receiver position, it went from $12.8 million to $19.7 million. And for the running back position, it went from $10.9 million to $10.1 million over the last eight years. And there was an anonymous GM who told Darlington, I don't think this trend of diminishing contracts for the position is going to end anytime soon. I'd rather draft one high and let him walk after five years than pay him big money. Yeah. And so... The franchise number is determined by the average of the top five players at your position. If you remember every now and then there's an argument about what position someone plays. You remember Jimmy Graham? Yeah. Uh, wanted to be a wide receiver. He wanted to be, he was a tight end and that got franchised for the Saints. He wanted to be classified as a wide receiver because he was a pass catching tight end and he never really blocked, but it changes the amount of money that you're going to get for your franchise tag. The running backs are in this situation where no one's going to pay them. So their franchise tag is suppressed. So the reasonable thing for a team to do, the strategic thing for them to do is to not tie up a bunch of money in a player that they don't need to and a player that they can find an average level replacement for for cheap and a position that has a high injury likelihood because you're getting pounded all the time, which is why the holdout like I believe in the holdout for the running backs and the NFL through uh, many CBAs, one of which I was involved in negotiating, has progressively made it more and more painful to um, hold out. It's a hard thing to do. And whenever you're making a decision like this, you're comparing like the possible outcomes, the risk versus the reward. For most players, I think the risk is probably not worth the reward for, in holding out, completely holding out. But for running backs, I would argue that. It is not for all running backs, yeah. 
But for these type of running backs that we believe are elite and that their offenses are obviously like he just made Daniel Jones so much money. Yeah. Like he's part of the reason why Daniel Jones got that money because Daniel Jones was up to get franchised. They did not franchise him because the number is high for the quarterback and they didn't go into the season because they didn't want him to have a good season. Then they end up having to pay him even more. And now Daniel Jones is on a, a running back deal. essentially, And he's on that two year deal. And, it, and theoretically, it would make sense to from the team building perspective to franchise Saquon twice and have that run the exact length of Daniel Jones's guaranteed money. Um, I do want to read you, which is why Saquon yeah. should hold out now. Anyway, how, go ahead. How do you feel about this quote from Le'Veon Bell? Le'Veon Bell has become the poster boy for, for holding out for running backs, even though obviously this it's, it's become bigger than him. He's put in a sort of contract tier along with Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley of why you don't make that deal and why instead you pay them like Derrick Henry, whose two-year deal was essentially commensurate with getting franchise tagged twice, um, which it's, I would love to know what you feel about that because that's sort of like a win-win for the team and the player in certain ways because it guarantees that second franchise year. Um, but Le'Veon said, um, I never apologize to the fans for sitting out or leaving the Steelers. So I want to say I apologize for leaving the best damn fans um, there is in this damn world. I shouldn't have left. I apologize. I should never have left. That's my fault. That's on me. I, yeah, I mean, I can't climb into Le'Veon's head. I would assume that there, uh, my first instinct is to assume that there's some other motivation. Like, is he trying to get back into good graces with the fans for some reason? I also should just accept that maybe he's being genuine. I think he is. Yeah, which is possible. It's okay. I, I just don't love the idea of apologizing for trying to get your value. And so... I understand why why the position is you don't pay running backs. And I understand why you would franchise them a couple of times and try to move on from them. like that's because that's the way the system is set up. But I also understand why a running back would look at this system and say, no, you're not going to do this to me and should not have to apologize for it afterwards. He played one full season under the franchise tag. Then they tried to hit it with him, hit him with it again. And he was amongst the best running backs and receivers in football. He was an incredible weapon. And he's like, look, I have. And this is the perspective that I take often that I think fans of a team would take the team's perspective all the time. Just why I come from the player's perspective is there's so much tied up into getting to this spot and you have one chance most players actually not most players if you are fortunate enough good enough to get the second yeah, contract if you're yeah. good enough healthy enough lucky enough to get to a second contract you have one chance to make all the sacrifices worthwhile all the things all the decisions that you made worthwhile otherwise it honestly the math doesn't add up for you to have taken this chance unless you were like a first round pick uh top top of the draft type of guy Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. It didn't for me. It doesn't for anyone else. So when it comes to this and guys are holding out, like, I don't feel like apologizing to fans is anything that you should ever have to do. I don't feel like you should feel sorry for what you're doing. I understand you want to do what's best for the team. But go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I want to note, first of all, to your point, he made 28 of the $45 million he made over the course of his career because of that deal he got with the Jets. Um, so two thirds, roughly two thirds of his money came from the decision he made to hold out. So that is absolutely proof in the pudding it from that perspective it was not a failure but i just wonder if he thinks if he was one of those players that was situationally defend, dependent one of the tenets of the dominic foxworth show is where you are has a huge 
determining factor in who you are as a player. He and was, he was he, with the Steelers, which is one of the definitions of organizational stability in all of football. At that point, that off- offense had become so explosive with him and Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, Ben Roethlisberger. He was sort of the off fulcrum. The of, yeah, and he was sort of the fulcrum of it all with the fact that he could do things so differently than other running backs. And I wonder if he's looking at it now being like, I could have been a Ring of Honor guy. I might have taken less money and gotten another deal after that and been like a legend. Instead, I'm fighting Adrian Peterson on you know, some YouTube streaming fight. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. If he, if that's what he was going for, that to me is, is... I can't get into his mind. I'm just yeah, yeah, guessing yeah. from the no, point I mean, now. The, that's yeah. a reasonable argument to make, but that's a burden, that's a burden to hand versus what is it, in the bush or something. I don't know. That's like, all right, I'm going to have to do this and then do that. And then the Steelers fans are going to have to love me and I can come and I can hang around Pittsburgh forever and be a, a hero. Yeah. But I, I don't know. And I know most people look back at the Le'Veon holdout and say it was a loss for Le'Veon Bell. I don't know that I accept that because what he left on the table was 14 million guaranteed if he he would have gotten that money and then got to free agency and gotten that same contract, then yeah, you're right. He left some money on the table, but he went from 14 guaranteed and who knows what happens, injuries or whatever to 28 guaranteed over the course of a couple seasons. So like, I feel like with running backs, anything can happen and maybe no one's there to pay you that money. I get why he would regret it for like, longevity reasons and like historic reasons but i don't necessarily agree with most people who think that it was a bad decision financially i think a lot of people also look at Levion as an inflection point for other running backs trying to get contracts and i actually think it's much more the todd Gurley contract where you went from like borderline hall of famer to someone who was essentially out of the league in two years because of a knee injury after he got his contract i want to ask do you know how old saquon barkley is <sighs> 26. 26. Do you, know, do you know how old Todd Gurley is? Older. 28. <laughs> what? Todd, Todd Gurley's 28? He's 28 years old. And that's like the no. fragility of the position. <laughs> yeah. And this is... So I think Saquon is unique. I think he's closer to Christian McCaffrey that his value to this team. Like you paid Daniel Jones, you should pay Saquon Barkley for the time that you have Daniel Jones and like figure it out later. He's such a good football player, but I actually think we're getting to a bigger problem. Running backs are fun. They're one of the most interesting positions of football. If I were fighting for the next NFL CBA, and I don't think the owners would ever do this, they need to get rid of the rookie wage scale for running backs. Yeah. Like if you're or not at least gonna contract length. Yeah. If you're not gonna get rid of if you're not gonna pay any of these guys, like Le'Veon Bell is a second round pick because he weighed 20 pounds more in college. He didn't get the even the Saquon deal of being the second pick in the draft, even though he performed at that level for the length of his rookie contract. If you're gonna have guys that actually swing playoff games, Super Bowls are mixing missing pieces on this team and their prime only aligns with their rookie contract. That is not fair to the players. That is limiting their their earning power artificially for no reason. The important thing or one of the things about going into negotiation, arguing fairness is not going to help you. So let me help you before you go into this negotiation. You need to be able to frame it in a way that presents value to them. And what I would say is the point you were making is the diversity of attack is what makes the game fun. Yes. And what you are doing is discouraging young athletes from playing one of the most exciting and interesting positions in all of professional sports. So if I'm a young kid, no kid now is like, I want to be a running back. Nobody no. is. is Bo Jackson would be a quarterback. If he came now. <laughs> no one is looking to play running back. You're looking to play some other position that is more interesting, more lucrative, more fun, more celebrated. So that's the argument is like you're losing 
losing athletes. They're kids who are going to play another sport or are going to be bad linebackers rather than being revenue generating, exciting offensive players. Yeah. Making the TV product worse. Yeah. And so the way I the way I would propose going forward with that is that not only I think the best move is that you can't you just remove the franchise tag for running backs. That's the that's a starting point. Remove the franchise tag for running backs because then they at least get to free agency. And I think the future option is also something you remove for running backs, because if a running back goes through that first four years, because lots of players, honestly, lots of players through the NFL go through that first four years and then the league minimum for a player of that um, experience level, it jumps. Yeah. Which means that those players are out of the league because you have to define yourself or differentiate yourself from other players at that point. You have to be worth that big salary jump that's forced on all players. And if a running back goes through four years like a cornerback or a safety or a center and you are just like average, then they're like, all right, good. We'll get another one for the same price. Then fine. Going about your business. You took this risk. You understood it. This is what what has happened. But if you get there and you're like, no, he's actually more valuable. He's uh, another contract is available. I think it's kind of terrible the way that they uh, use the CBA and use the weapons that they have to wield against one position uh, more aggressively than they do the rest of them. And it's also the exceptional at that position, which is totally unique. Like there's no question you want to keep the Justin Jeffersons of the world, the Tyreek Hills of the world. I mean, it's, even if Tyreek didn't get kept by the Chiefs, he got yeah. a contract, he got traded. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no question he has a place being an A1 player in the NFL. The fact that you're devaluing the most exciting players in the league is shitty. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to say because like, there are the statistics running backs don't matter, guys. You can pick someone up who can give you 80% of the value. But that's also, that's not fun. That's not fun for, uh, I don't think that's fun for the players. I don't think that's fun for the fans. I don't even think that's fun for the coaches who are trying to build exciting teams. It's it, This is purely like a, a, a GM and salary cap thing. And you would say of the players that are, of the running backs that are in a league that have this um, different level of value, you would count Christian McCaffrey as one of them, I mm-hmm. assume. Definitely. But then you look at, how the Panthers were able to run the ball successfully without Christian McCaffrey. Counterpoint, look at the 49ers offense yeah. when they traded with him. They went from, I mean, they were starting Brock Purdy and they went from an offense that what certainly wasn't floundering. They were Shanahan offense, but to pretty much unstoppable when they had Purdy and McCaffrey. And he was a huge part of that. I, I did the counterpoint. That's the first point. I just counterpointed before your point. Okay. The first point is that he was great on offense. The counterpoint is, but... They ran the ball well without him. All right, let's go point-counterpoint on some tennis, which I am deeply enmeshed in tennis coverage. Enmeshed? Immersed? I said enmeshed? What does enmeshed mean? I don't even know if that's a word. It has to be a word. Google it. Enmeshed. You can be enmeshed. Oh, caused to becoming tangled in something. You nailed it. I know. Don't treat me like I'm dumb just because I played football. Just uh, Apparently, you have a more spectacular vernacular than I do. Private school failed you. You Good old Baltimore County public schools. You'd be learning words. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom. On Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash df today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash df. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. So um, my man Alcaraz, I think we need to put together a campaign to get Nike to take his promotion seriously. Because every time I see him, he looks like a 20-year-old who just started playing tennis. Not the the next best thing. Get this man a shape up the back of his neck. Somebody got to gotta take a razor to the back of his neck. Get him to shave, a dermatologist. Let's market this man. He's a super athlete who's incredibly fun to watch and technically sound. Why does he look like he stumbled in every time? And I, I think you mentioned to me that he uses non-rated weighted rackets. Like, he's just out there messing around. It's yeah. serious. So a lot of these pros... Uh, add lead tape or have to have pro frames that are built with like the extra weight built into it so they have more stability and can you know hit these massive ground strokes Alcaraz just takes a Babel up Pure 98 off the shelf 305 grams he's like light racket don't care I'll hit 105 mile an hour cannon forehand by you um Nike dropped hints of a logo for him yesterday hints of a logo nothing official but they did like a weird old English font on their congratulations thing and it looks like they're going to have an Alcaraz line. King he, Los? King Carlos. Okay. Um, he's no, had, King Los is a yeah. Baltimore rapper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. They're just going to steal my man's trademark. Probably. <laughs> um, well, I mean, so Alcaraz tried to have like the, the tight fade. Yeah. He didn't pull it off. It was a bad fade. It was, he went, he went too high. He went too high and it was like, uh, 
it was like one of those um memes of someone who like a like a white guy who goes to a barber shop and gets the fade to eye and it's like ooh that didn't work like it was sort of like the professor you gotta get so he had a boosie fade you, yeah you can't get a boosie fade if you're not boosie all right so as i predicted many years ago alcaraz has taken over uh, all of tennis and no one will stand in the way of him dominating for years and years to come. The end of the story. We're done talking about tennis, right? Yeah. You know, he's the best, certainly the best young tennis player since at all, who's the greatest teenage tennis player ever. Um, I think that's fair to say the amount of masters he won. The fact that he was literally unbeatable on clay. Alcaraz is 20 years old. He's the most complete tennis, uh, young tennis player probably ever. And he's, I think it's fair to say, the best offensive attacking player since young Roger Federer. And so no one saw him winning Wimbledon. Like we thought he was going to win the French Open over over Djokovic because he's not very experienced on grass, not experienced on grass. He's also like there is a bias that Spanish players are going to dominate on red clay. They grow up playing on it. They hit with him and Nadal. Other players hit with it. so much topspin. The ball kicks off the court and it's a natural fit on the surface. And he's had the Nadal comp since he was 15 years old. Going into Wimbledon, beating Djokovic, who hadn't lost on that court since 2013, is one of the most stunning arrivals imaginable for someone who is non- number one in the world. Who will give him any pushback going forward? I know I'm the tennis expert here, but I'm asking you your amateur opinion. If there's anyone who can give, because I, 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 we've seen the way that he's come on and he's so young, he's only going to get better. He's added this extra value that I think comes from actually putting a major under your belt. Second, yeah, two majors. Of course I knew that after putting a couple majors under your belt, that extra confidence, I think lifts him a little bit. Yeah. He get, continues to get better, get smarter, maybe gets a racket that is custom made for him. Some shoes that are, that are form fit, a shape up something. And he'll continue to get better. Who's going to be able to compete with him? So there's a really interesting point in, in tennis. Like there are two other young players who've been heralded. One of them is this guy, Yannick center sort of looks like a ginger Harry styles. He's this <laughs> Italian guy. Um, He's who Nike invested the money in. They gave him uh-huh. $150 million. Because when he, he's this guy, he was the top skier in Europe when he was 14. And he had to choose between skiing and tennis. And then when he's 19, he's in the top 10 in the world. He's 21 now. He doesn't have it like Carlos. Good matchup. They've played some tight matches. And there's this other guy, Holger Rune. It's this Danish kid. Bad boy of tennis. <laughs> All right. He's the bad. I'm a big bad boy fan. Serves bombs. Yells at people in the crowd. Um Big quads, beefy quads. The the two the dual sport athlete made me think of Steph Curry and his dual sport weekend, and just generally how there's some people just have hand eye coordination that's just off the charts, and it's, it's crazy. But yeah. can I tell you who his rival's going to be? Because those guys aren't yeah. going to actually be his rival. Kylo, Carlos is going to kick those guys' ass. Like they they'll get him from time to time. It's tennis; you don't win every match. Next five years, Novak Djokovic is going to be his biggest rival. <laughs> He's 36 years old. 30, as he said, 36 is the new 26. Um, the gap between Carlos Novak and the rest of the tour, um, is immense and they're going to keep meeting in major finals and watching that match. Like it felt like a passing of the torch because Carlos established himself as someone who's able to compete with one of the, with the greatest player of all time, but it didn't feel like a passing of the torch because that match was an overhead on break point that, that Djokovic decided to hit a swinging volley away from him being up a break in the fifth set. And they are right there together. The difference, I think, one of the things in rivalries that are really fun is, I think, differences in 
storylines and distinctions in players. Mm-hmm. And from what I know about Alcaraz, the way we talk about it, he just takes a racket off the shelf and he's just kind of he while he's a technically sound player, he beautiful. Just, he's, Everything he does is beautiful. He's just all over the court. It seems like kind of ha- hectic he, he's Mahomes yeah he feels so I guess the point I was making is the juxtaposition between that and what I know about Djokovic which the, is like the greatest tactician ever in men's tennis and he's just like obsessed yes obsessed about this where he would never take a racket although he bashed his racket he would never just take a racket off the shelf like he's known for for stretching for four hours a day yeah. every day and like having a ridiculously strict diet and he didn't take the vaccine because he didn't want any of this straight like he is a, a maniac to the point where it's like, and now this is going to be sacrilege for me to say on ESPN air. I don't know if it's worth it. Explain. Cause for him, he went from someone who was struggling to get over the hump. He couldn't finish matches cause he couldn't, cause, cause he couldn't breathe with this gluten allergy mm-hmm. to 10 years later. There was no question Federer and Nadal were the two greatest players right. of all time. And now in my mind, there's really no question it's Djokovic. Yeah. So the reason why I say I don't know if it's worth it is it goes back to the equation I was making earlier about football players. Mm-hmm. It's the same equation is honestly, it's probably not worth it to make a decision at the age of 10 that every choice you make from here on out is going to optimize your ability to get to a professional level because chances are you're not going to get there. And even if you do get there, you're not going to get to the level it requires for it to be financially worth making it. And then I put on top of it how unhappy you must be when you're like, like, I I don't know. I, I made a lot of sacrifices in my life and I went through a lot of pain and made tough decisions to put myself in a situation. But with the exception of the one year I played in Atlanta, most of my life was pretty damn happy. Had a good time. I don't know how you can be this. It's also kind of like the Tom Brady thing where it's like, I can't eat anything. I can't do it. Very good comp. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and uh, yeah, for whatever reason, like plenty of people get divorced. So I'm not going to make those same comparisons, but it just doesn't. I don't know. I, so for, for the people who don't make it there, there are yeah. lots of people who make these sacrifices and then for whatever reason get unlucky and then don't make it to Djokovic level it definitely ain't working for them it's also like to make it to Djokovic level you also have to be one of the greatest young tennis players of all time before this happens right but don't you think there are a lot of great young tennis players out there who are making a decision to live their life not like this no to me so after he's done it you don't think that there are people out there that was like all right how do I optimize my way I think maybe but like the, the level of commitment, this is like why there aren't more guys in the TB12 method or doing yeah. like what Ronaldo or LeBron does. It's because like this is all consuming. This is who he is now. Like he's a mystic who's taping uh, like a crystal to his chest to cool his body down during a match. <laughs> like he has built his entire, he built his entire life to optimize his tennis game to be able to make his backhand impenetrable versus Rafael Nadal's forehand and versus Roger Federer's forehand. And you know what? It, against all odds, it worked. Okay, so why? That's the question. Like, for who, for what? The great Ricky Williams quote is always a quote. Is like, why? Like, the point of I don't. I, it's not me. I yeah, don't know. I, why. Know. That's, that's a, I guess that's the point I'm asking, or that's yeah. the reason why I'm saying, is it worth it? Yeah. Is like, for who, for what? Why? Like, I did the things that I did because, like, I wanted to 
like have fun, set up my family. Like these are things that while I really love football, I want to have success at football at a certain point, you start to go at another level and you realize the business equation and you're like, all right, well, how do we make this worthwhile? And that's why you make the sacrifices. And yeah, you make a sacrifice for your teammates. Yeah, you make sacrifices because you want to win. You want to be the best. But also you're like, we're so close to hitting the lottery. Let me go ahead and do what I can do to hit the lottery. But for him, it's like he already did it. He's, he's a killer. Yeah. He's and Jordan. it seems like so of his daily life, what percentage of it do you think is consumed with him trying to optimize his uh, his performance on the court? Every second he's awake and every second he's asleep. Yeah, that that obviously worth it to me. I, I'd rather be the 20th best tennis player in the world <laughs> and, and have 50 percent of my life back than be among the best in the world and have no time. Like I can't go to movies. I can't no popcorn. I can't. Uh, we got we got to have sex on a schedule. Like everything is timed up. It's that's just, uh, nothing spontaneous. I can't have a sip of alcohol. Nothing. That's the um that scene in The Last Dance where Jordan was like, if you don't want to play the way I play, then don't. But this is how we win. And you actually see him tear up because like that is who he is. Like the winning, the beating people and the solving problems. Like I would say if you had to define Novak Djokovic and why I think he'll be Alcaraz's rival is his life has been about problem solving, which is the core of tennis. And I think he is as addicted to winning as he is solving the problem of, of what's in front of him. I get that. I, I feel a great deal of joy when I figure out and yeah. fix a problem. So I, I get that. I don't know. But and it's I also, like a never ending tinkering and problem solving for to optimizing his health, his life, his tennis game. And like it's also tennis. You are alone. You can't hide from the ball. And when you get someone to say no mas on the other side of the net because you have beaten them into submission and they have to look at you across the net at the next tournament and know that he's going to do this again for five hours. I think he takes a sick joy in being like my level of conditioning (laughs) and competitiveness have made you number two in the world. Not want to stand across this net and hit a fuzzy yellow ball to me. <laughs> I get it. Like that is feels very mas- masculine, and it feels. I, I mean, I get this idea of the sacrifice. Like I, I didn't have any alcohols. I was thirty five. Yeah. First time I had a drink. I remember was, this. Yeah. When I met you. You were yeah. like, you were a square, not yeah. a square body, but you're just yeah. like. How dare you? How dare you have a a post-work beer? Yes, because I mean, it wasn't going to be for the best. I get it. So maybe at a different time, I'm just at a different, I'm at midlife crisis time now where it's like, hey, you got to have fun. Let the, let the ladies see your abs in the gents. Everybody can take a look. You're all welcome. And you're welcome too, Pablo. I was about to call you Pablo. So disrespectful. I'm sorry. Apologies. It's okay. I love you, Pablo. R.I.P. Dan. All right. Thanks, Charlie. You're the best. Time for um, my favorite segment, Roses and Thorns. Not cranky anymore. Ah, this is all I act. Performance. I'm going to go right back to crank as mm. soon as we're done. I don't believe it. it. He's so good! How has Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. Now, Roses and Thorns, my favorite segment with my favorite person. I can say that now because... It's just us here. Yeah, I am your favorite. Oh, I forgot I'm not his favorite person because last week he couldn't say that because our daughter was here listening and he reminded me, which is true, that of course he loves his kids more than he loves me. And no, I reminded no, him, don't worry, par. fine, I do too. Um, all on par. I just, I love all the kids and you. Differently. But I still think I could be your favorite person. 
I did. I argued that you were yeah. because I chose you and yeah. they were given to me. Yeah. Like you can love them more. That's fine. You can want to protect their lives more than like if we were falling off a cliff, you're going to grab. But what if I was pregnant, but you still wouldn't know the baby yet. So you still go for the kids first. Fine. Life starts after um, birth. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to start <laughs> this year. This is my opinion. <laughs> um, anyway. Hi, honey. What's up, bud? I see you barbed out. Oh, my God. It is Barbie week, guys. I'm so excited. We're all going on Friday, even our son. It's PG-13, so don't judge us for bringing our children. But, you know, sometimes you got to get exposed to stuff. I mean, PJ, it's the seven-year-old is the only one that it might be it's a little bit iffy for. But, I mean, the yeah. other two. But like, she's so excited. And that's not fair of them to do because Barbie was like, we can make a lot of money off of this. So they have been pushing merchandise you took her to get. Like, not even me. We were in Miami, and y'all were bored one day at the pool. So y'all went to, like, the Lincoln Road Mall, and she bought all this Barbie stuff for Gap from Gap and she's been like planning what of her new Barbie clothes that she got yeah, with Dominique that she's going to wear to the movies. So it's pretty weird yeah. to market it aggressively to children and then also and make then, it PG-13. Yes. But whatever. I mean, that's but fine. I don't have a problem that. with general. Like, I mean, most of the time my general philosophy is let them see it and talk to them about it. See, <laughs> like if there's something to talk to him about it, talk I feel about like it. our first, I guess it couldn't have been our first Rose and Thorns, but maybe our first Rose is one of our early ones. We talked about this because I know we definitely talked about it after Avery's birthday party because they saw Clueless, mm. um, which would have been December. But I feel like even earlier, like back in September, can you believe it's been almost a year of wow. getting to talk to me for 30 minutes every Monday um, in front of a computer or now in a studio? Um, best year of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. When I was little, I wasn't allowed to see anything that wasn't like if I was like I was 12 and nine months, and I couldn't see PG-13. Um, so part of me is just like a little jealous like that we let our kids. So I feel like maybe I shouldn't let them because just like off principle to make it fair for me. <laughs> but at the same time, that's silly. And like I'd be messing yeah, I mean, around. Uh, our babysitter's leaving. So no one else can watch them Friday when we go. So they uh, need yeah. to go. I mean, if you want to. No one's applied for a babysitting position yet. If anyone no, they wants. Haven't. So DM me. <laughs> I need uh, help. Yeah. I mean, whatever. If you raise your kids the way you raise your kids, I'm not saying that people should let their kids see stuff, but our kids see stuff. And then we talk yeah. to them about it. And that's, yeah. I feel like the way that we go about doing it, mostly because that's the way that you went about doing it. Cause like you just were with the kids and it was music was the first start was like, oopsie, they're going to hear custom music. Cause you listen to custom music. And I know. Although our youngest loves to sing every yeah, song she does sing every and song. like, she doesn't know the words, but it doesn't matter. Like she can, she doesn't learn them, but it's like, she just like goes like a ha half second behind it. So like she's saying the words that she hears or whatever she thinks she hears. And so it annoys me now because like there's certain songs that like I probably, and obviously I shouldn't have been listening to them all along, but that I'd be comfortable like listening to in the car, but like, I don't want my seven year old singing. So, and my son and my, my daughter, Mostly she's, Jodeci, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing that, but today it was Usher, loving oh, yeah. this. Cause I've been, yeah. I had an Usher um, Pandora station on and loving it's this not club. like you're listening to to pound town or there's the name of that like <laughs> i think of those little pound puppies though every time oh, i hear the I name remember of pound it puppies. with like I, the I, ones I where they have all those babies yeah. um but i know that's not what it's about it is not. um but so today lovers and friends came on or was it love it? no it was loving this club the beyonce remix and she heard queen b and said is it beyonce and i said it's usher and beyonce um but then i said you will not sing this one um 
And I was like, I mean, this is not one that you can sing, but I still kept listening to it. And then I was like, this means I should just turn it off. Um, Probably. But but I was like, Emmy, just be quiet. Don't ruin my songs for me. Um, it reminded me, a friend of mine, which then reminded me of me last week, a friend of mine posted on her Instagram yesterday. She was that there's a music festival in D.C. called Broccoli City. Um, and she took her rising high schooler, so like almost in ninth grade, and her friend to the music festival. And there's a rapper named Glorilla, who I'm aware of, because Dominique and our friend Christina send each other like rap songs they think that they like that I don't like back and forth in a group text with just pretty much hard songs like the the hardest of the hard songs and Glorilla finds our way into it every now and then and I so I've seen it but I've never I never I'm like ignore it like when they start going in this back and forth I'm like y'all could just subtract me from this group but it's funny it's like to me and Dominique and Christine and her husband well. anyway um but she was like FNF hits different when you realize your teenage daughter knows all the words. And I was like, oh no. Like, this so wasn't I feel Christina. Like this this was wasn't Christina. Yeah. This was my friend who has a, a like 14, I'm sorry, 14 ish year old. But it also made me think of, so I took Avery to the Beyonce concert last mm-hmm. week. And it was amazing because Beyonce's always amazing. I'll say, two, I've been on a concert binge lately. And like, I went to see Usher two weeks ago, and that was such a smaller venue that it made Beyonce just feel like overwhelming. And I think also because I was with a kid, not like with like my friends. So I was like dressed like we were twinning in silver skirts and Beyonce t-shirts and even the same tennis shoes. Um, Very cool. I was like, this might be the last time my 12 year old ever. She was like, oh, yeah, cool. Because I was going to wear something different if I'm being honest. But I was like, oh, you want to dress like? So like I had a silver dress that I put a t-shirt on top of. Um, And I was like, "Okay, cool. And I had gotten her this little silver skirt from Amazon. Um, but so I was there like as a mom, I realized like, like, even though I looked like a Beyonce super fan, I was like a mom dressed up as a Beyonce super fan, (laughs) like chaperoning her daughter. And when it really hit me is there was another mom, like right behind me with the daughter, Avery's 12. Her daughter was like Avery's height, but looked a little older, but maybe she might've been like 12 or 13 or 14. And like, that mom was like sitting down. She was taking breaks. She was tired. And I was like, I want to sit down too. And then I brought her waters at one point. One of the times Avery had, she was like, can you bring, it was so hot in that stadium. But like, so I'm supposed to be going again with my friends. And I'm like, okay, I'll be able to like let loose them. But now I'm like, it's like funny. Cause last week we talked about the Kiki Palmer thing where like, we talked about how like her baby's father said, like she doesn't look like a mom. Um, and like, I feel like sometimes I don't look like a mom, although honestly I'm looking more and more like one as because I'm getting older. Um, but I was sure acting like one there. And I was like, you know what, what else can you yeah, do? You tried to make I her accepted. leave early, which I thought was rude, I but did. whatever. I did because I hate crowds and I knew I, I didn't want to look at the set list in advance, but then when I'm getting, I'm like, this is a great concert, but it's really long. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to get back to the hotel. <laughs> I'm pretty tired. So I had just enough service at the concert to look up the set list. And I was like four songs from the bottom. And I was like, okay, like we need to, as soon as, you know, the second to last song comes on, we need to make a break for it. Because I was looking, it was at Lincoln Financial Field where Jalen plays. I didn't see Jalen. I didn't even feel like a spiritual connection to him while I was right there. Now. Okay. Still, I could have felt a connection to him. You could have. And I didn't, which maybe question everything about our relationship but anyway um we don't don't have a relationship okay but i just thought i would be like wow this is virgin and it didn't happen guys um but so 
I try to like be up in the what's the part called where like you want to walk around to get out like you walk in the steps concourse I tried to be in the concourse when it ended and the last song which of course is a good song comes on and some last cool scene and Avery's like well it's okay I guess you don't care because you're going back again in August true. and I was like true but I hope I walk out then too because I do not want to deal with crowds yeah, going to. and she said well because I'm not by myself my friends probably want to but she was like well it's so great. Thank you for taking me. It was so good. At least I saw 98% of it. And I was like, <laughs> fine. So we went and stood and watched she was it. Right. It was great. Apparently she was right. It was great. She was flying through the crowds and stuff. Um, but we saw it. It was lovely. But I felt old. While you still there. got a Drake concert this summer. This summer, you're not looking forward to that one? I am. Like so much that I rebought the tickets. I sold my original tickets and rebought them a day before because he's here two nights. And, uh -oh. and now we have we had to move a trip. So we'll actually be gone that next day. But when I was there, I was really like, if you feel old here. Yeah. I know old. Drake is like an older rapper. Like his fans are closer to my age or my age or older. But still, it's just like... I think it's more a feeling than a, like, I've just been feeling old lately. Don't fight it. I've been feeling young lately. I, he has with this gold chain. He has been feeling so young, guys. It's a necklace. I've been, I've been told that it's a necklace. Uh, why? Who said that? Uh, like, can you say men wear necklaces? I don't know. I mean, uh, my brother sent me an old boondocks clip was the difference between a chain and a necklace. Like... Well, whatever it is, it sits on his collarbone nicely. I look great. He was at a pool party the other day, had his shirt unbuttoned. Uh, I posted it. I'm oh, out yeah, here trapping again. We trapping again. Thirst I know he's trapping again. I know he's joking. Baiting these baddies. But then again, I ain't joking. Then again, the DMs be flooded. No, they don't. But then again, take guys, another look at that picture. He doesn't let me control his Instagram account like I think I should. Why would I do that? Because I'd be good at it. I know, like, your sense of humor enough. Like, no, you so last week. You wouldn't have posted them, um, no baddie bait. Nah, you, you can't have my Instagram if you're not going to put up. As you said no years ago, bait. I post baddie bait of you on my own account. It's just, yeah. I'm in it and it's my account. That's, so. a, that's a bad idea. Um, but like, <laughs> tempt your friends. Um, no, he said that a long time ago. No, I would. I'd be good. But last week, he told Charlie suggested it. And I listen. I normally don't even listen to the normal part, but I was Good. fast forwarding to our part to see how crazy I sounded. And it stopped. I got like to it a little bit early. So I heard some of Charlie's where he was suggesting that I could do Dominique's social media. And so the only thing that makes me concerned that not that he really is trying to get baddies, but that someone could be in his and that we're saying baddies is ridiculous anyway. A bevy um, of baddies. A bevy of baddies as he That's likes alliteration. Um, and... Uh, he don't let me in his social media, so maybe, maybe I do have something to be worried about. Get concerned, man. I mean, I tell you the truth, they, they be coming, they flooding, flooding my. Okay, tell my me, DMs. give me one example of something somebody said in your DMs. Okay. I think I'm joking. Think these baddies <laughs> don't want to get at me. Think these ads ain't popping. I think I ain't sexy. I think you stop. are, but I just don't see who. But you like, you are a married stop. man. So. What that? What that got to do with anything? These baddies shooting they shot. Shut up, guys. A guy just hit on me at 7-Eleven and told me he <laughs> hopes I don't feel scared. <laughs> I said, when he said that, 
I didn't feel scared. But once he said it, I said, good thing the studio's right across the street because now I do feel a little nervous. Because really what happened was I was taking a selfie because 7-Elevens have the best lighting. And that one honestly isn't set up that well. But those candy aisles are really colorful. Like, honestly, I think 7-Elevens like a great photo shoot spot. Um, and so I was taking a selfie while I was getting my, my Coke Zero and he caught me and I was a little bit embarrassed and he's, oh, please keep going, please. And it got really awkward and he kept saying, don't be scared. I said, I'm so scared. Get me inside of Popville. So. Okay. So what did the baddie say? Hey, how you doing? Okay. How do you know? Maybe she just wants to talk sports. First of all, it is, it is a she, I assume, because. Yeah. I mean. Okay. I'm sure there's some male baddies too. Though. They probably be in here too. I just, they, I sift them. So it's just a, hey, how you doing? Can I see? Is she attractive? Yeah, she's attractive. So people, this is so crazy, guys. Think I ain't got it. Think I, <laughs> I don't still got it. <laughs> and she's done it twice, like every six months, well, not every six months, but twice. But she oh, probably oh, what just, you tapping around she for? She probably just, what you tapping around for? I just want to see her profile. Oh, Stop scrolling private. and tapping. She probably just, um. Somebody's nervous. <laughs> this is funny though because i'm gonna i'm not gonna say her her name but can i read her bio sure she got locked out of her main account anyway i'm a dominant person who loves to work out and only into dating submissive men who are <laughs> <laughs> so she thinks that when he gets submissive okay oh, whatever um well anyway i'm locked out of his instagram account so that's me not locked out but i cannot control it and now i think it's true it's because but he did have to scroll a while a while yeah, for that yeah. baddie message <laughs> so back to what i said she's obviously, no uh, one's dming him he's just a hater anyway no one's done? dming me either because i need a babysitter you done you don't got nothing else to talk about i got plenty of things to talk about go ahead talk about something um the baddies are in a different folder <laughs> guys instagram does not have a baddie folder honey i know Yours people don't. i know people want to be with you like obviously i want to be with you i just don't think that like people you're not the type of guy i don't think that people are like i'm gonna go in his dms you're like a here are my kids here's my wife no i'm wrong about that too strong too strong the sex appeal is too strong they Good. see the kids and wife and they can't resist they have to dive into the dms they don't have a choice okay. but then well thank you for sometimes not it gets caught up somewhere between their phone and my phone <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't quite make it all the way to the dms necessarily thank except you for, for when it does thank you for leaving them on red all right cool that's well, so sweet of you i'm looking forward to our barbie date are you gonna my son said He's not going to wear all pink because he actually does have some all pink outfits. Not everybody likes a theme. And as he much said as you he's like not going to wear all pink. But today I was at the mall. Really, I was trying to get to the Zara capsule, but the Zara I went to didn't have it. And I passed another store that had a little boy's Barbie shirt that's not pink, but it says not Ken on it. So hopefully I can just like lay it out for him. He doesn't realize that he's on theme. Are you going to wear your Ken shirt for the Barbie movie? I wasn't planning on it. Why not? I just, I mean, I hadn't thought about it. Not everybody lives their life from holiday to holiday like you. Like I, I know, but I'm asking you a question now. Okay, yeah, you maybe. I, I just wasn't planning. I don't on know it. what I'm going to wear exactly, but I'm sure I'm going to. I feel wear like pink. you get excited about things in your life based on what you get to wear or not. Like that's just not how. Yeah. Like you want to go places that you wouldn't want to go normally because you got something that would look nice there. I, like I don't care nearly as much. I think that like what you wear kind of helps. Like not all the time, but like. It helps how you feel like like yeah, I believe that's true. And so, yeah, so that's probably true. I already we're going to Hawaii in two weeks. Um, 
If anyone knows if the Grand Wailea Hotel gives out wristbands for their pool, please let me know. Because I really don't want to stay there, but I really do want to go to My kids want to get on their water slides. They'll be all right. They um, got enough water slides. Yeah, I know. I couldn't. I just couldn't commit to staying there. It looked too like a, like too busy. But um, but so we're going to Hawaii in two weeks. And so I was like, oh, let's pull out all the different clothes of ours that look like like festive you know or like on theme for hawaii you should see my rack right now guys i had like a rolling rack that i use for coats when we have parties i brought it upstairs yeah my clothes We're ready too. to go yes i did right, make sure you're doing um, some sexy stuff and i did i did he's like been more into his clothes lately. he's been buying himself some new stuff i chose from some of your new new stuff ordered you a couple new things you're gonna look great there's gonna be a lot of baddie bait coming from our hawaii trip yeah, i liked it better when i didn't show you that i don't have a lot of baddies now you don't believe it <laughs> he could be He's probably answering them. He's probably like, yeah, so what you doing? Um, it's depressing. But you have me. I know. Your favorite. He told me something um, last week that um, Ozzy Newsom said. I don't think he, Oh, yeah. It was the, told, so you can say it. Um, so when I signed my contract with the Ravens, you had like a little press conference and my parents were there and my wife was there. I talked to. I was his girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, my girlfriend was there. I talked to Ozzy. Afterwards, he was asking me about my family. Then he asked me um, about Ashley. And I was like, yeah, she's whatever. She's at Harvard Law School right now. And Ozzy was like, you better marry her right now. And um, I was laughing with Ashley because Ozzy Newsom is the best talent evaluator in the history of professional sports. <laughs> His first two draft picks are Hall of Famers. Um, so Pretty all impressive. I'm saying is you've got me. You don't need the baddies in your DMs. And I actually DM him all the time. I respond to everything he things. posts. And I'm like, hey, I think he's never once opened it up. I opened it. I just don't respond to it because <laughs> we. That's even worse. We live together. I, I find it kind of weird when like. Ha trying to have some genuine interaction over social media like playful joking interaction over social media is one thing but like it's weird to have a conversation I know, over I social say media LOL. with your freaking wife I like to have conversations going in social media yeah, that's on true. That's text not in person and they all can be different lines of conversation that's how I get I don't live with my friends and my sisters but that's how I'm with my siblings and my friends it's like we have one conversation going in our DMs we have one conversation going in text we do voice memos for other things um, pick up the phone and call some of them for other things I just don't know why much. we can't my, my exist on all of those planes. Um, yeah, it's too much. Too much. We just talk in person. But so, okay, back to what I was saying. So I get you have not pre-planned your Barbie movie outfit, but now that I'm asking you, will you wear your Ken shirt to see it? What is your answer? We'll see how I'm feeling on that day. Because, okay. I mean, the way that I dress really impacts the way that I feel. But if I'm not feeling... But don't you want to feel like you're going to see the Barbie movie? So you should know. put on a Ken shirt? I don't know. I don't want to commit to it. I really think there's a big chance I might be in pink all week. Good. Um, just because I really love pink. Can't like, wait. honestly, every October, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And it, I realized this, like, halfway through the month. I'm like, oh, I should wear pink all month for this. But it's more just like, I really want to wear pink every day because it makes me feel happy. Um, black makes me happy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can wear black pants with your Ken shirt. It won't match. We'll see how I'm It won't, because it's like... But you probably have some black and pink tennis shoes, so you I could like it would tie it all together. So you can wear black and pink tennis shoes, black pants, and Ken shirt to make know. us feel happy. Us, feel as happy. a unit. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I can't wait. It'll be fun. And I'm excited that we don't have anything else to do this weekend other than that. Like, yeah, I feel like the weekends, weekends have been so busy lately where we're away, so we get like a chill weekend at home. So that'll be fun. Love it. All right. Love you. Love you too. It's been fun. So See fun. you at home where we can talk for real.
no, and in your DMs. No, nah, stay out and of my And your DMs. text messages. That ruins and the DM voice memos. When I'm swiping through all the baddies, I don't want to So did she think you're, what made her think you were the submissive man? <laughs> <laughs> you're such a hater. <laughs> oh, got a fresh baddie. No, you don't. Do. Nobody texted you just right now. Yeah, a fresh one. It's uh, a burner account from somebody outside trying to make you feel good. <laughs> it says the message is somebody need to get their uncles. <laughs> I don't get nah, it. It's just making fun of that picture of all of us. It's a girl I went to high school with. I haven't seen her in forever. Oh, but oh, she's making fun of me. She's a baddie. There we go. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you, Ashley, for joining me. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Christina Buswell. Thank you, Adi Khan. Thank you, Sarah Abbott. And thank you, Podville. Bye. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. 